Hi, I'm Anthony Sharon, pastor of First Assembly of God of Greater Lansing, better known as GL First. I hope this message connects you to God's Word and His vision for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. If you missed Friday's service, Friday was Good Friday. We talked and we made a statement. We said, uh, you matter. You do. You matter. Okay? And it's, it's so important that, that you understand that, especially in this day and age, when there's so much hurt and there's so much pain going on in our world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay? I mean, our teenagers, our young people uh, have, have had their identities stripped from them, and, and they're trying to find a footing in this world. They, they've had their, their friends taken from them because they can't go to school. Yeah, how many of you guys know that when you're young, when you're uh, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, and, you know, I can count backwards, so, that your life is wrapped up in what you do? That's no different than an adult, okay? The adults, your life, whether you're 18, 19, 20, 21, see, I told you I can count. Okay, and, and all the way up, you go to work, you do this routine, and all of a sudden this routine somehow becomes your identity. It becomes who you are. What you do becomes who you are in a lot of ways. I, I want to challenge you to break that because I believe the Lord is showing us that that's not true. That's not true. Okay? You are so much more than that. You matter. You matter. Look at your neighbor and say, you matter. You do. You matter so much that Jesus, he died for you. That's what we said Friday. On Good Friday, as, uh, as Jesus was being crucified, we learned that the soldiers mocked him by placing a crown of thorns on his head and placing a sign over him saying, uh, King of the Jews. They didn't see him as the true king who rules and reigns. They didn't see him as the true king who is in charge and has authority over everything. And then after the resurrection, that's what we celebrate today. Did you guys know that? If you guys don't know that, this is, this is what Easter is. We're, we're celebrating what, not, not just what happened on Friday, but today is the resurrection. It's the day he rose up and conquered death. And that's important. I want you to hold on to that too. Hold on to that idea. He defeated death. He claimed all authority over heaven and earth. It was this love that Jesus had for us, every single one of us. What did I say? What did your neighbor just tell you? That you matter? That's a loving statement. That statement means something. Okay? And here's the thing. You matter so much that he did. He died for you. And if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to understand this. His love wins in our lives when we put our faith, when we put our hope and our trust in him. That's what it means when I say love wins. Love wins. Jesus defeated death. Let me ask you this. What's harder than that? Anybody think of something? 
No smart alecks in the, in the crowd going, <laughs> level eight of Super Mario Brothers, world eight, right before you get to the castle. I don't know, that's an old school joke, sorry. What's harder than defeating death? What's harder than dying and then coming back? I can't think of anything. I was trying. I was up all night trying to think of something. I was like, man, I could figure it out. I can make something harder than that. I mean, come on. And I couldn't think of anything harder than that. So let me ask you this question. If there's nothing harder than that in your life and he already did it, then why can't he do whatever it is that you need him to do in your life today? Why can't he? Exactly, he can. I hope to show you that by what Jesus did on Good Friday uh, and on Easter Sunday proves that, uh, here's another statement I want you to, to write down. If you have a pencil, pen, uh, phone, if you have a smartphone, I usually tell people if you're, if you're a dumb person with a smartphone or a smart person with a dumb phone, whatever combination you're working with, use it. I want you to write this statement down real quick. Control breeds bitterness and stress. Control breeds bitterness and stress. Love produces peace. Love produces peace. Hold on to that statement as we go through this. That's going to start to make sense. Today, like I said, is Easter Sunday. We're joining with all these churches around the world that are celebrating. Um, and, and they've done this throughout the, the centuries in celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was the love of God that caused Jesus to come to earth and to offer himself as a sacrifice on a cross to forgive the world of its sins. It is the love of God that continually offers us new life through this risen Savior. So today we celebrate the fact that you matter so much to Jesus that not only did he die, but he came back for you. He came back for you. I made the statement Sunday or uh, Friday. I said, you know what? Here's the thing. He, you matter so much that he came back from the, the, the grave and decided to take residence right here in your heart. He could have lived anywhere, but he chose to live right here. Today we worship that risen king. Not only is today Easter Sunday, but it is also the beginning of this new series that I've uh, started writing, and it's called Love Wins. So if you're here for the very first time, I am so grateful to have you. I challenge you to check us out at least three out of uh, four of these series, because I believe that it's going to change your life. I believe that. I believe that. All you, all you have to do is come in here and start to apply and, and, and let freedom start to reign. If you're uh, somebody that's, that's been here before and you, you usually come, I challenge you to be here all four weeks. If you're online, I challenge you to watch us all four weeks. There is no excuses why you can't catch this. During the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to discover all the ways that God's amazing love transforms our past our present, and our future. Anybody like Star Wars? Any Star Wars fans? Do we got any Trekkies in the house? 
Anybody both? Can you be both? Somebody said, yes. <laughs> yes, you can. And then you got other people like, can't. What is the most powerful force known to mankind? Ooh, good answer. Anybody else got anything better? Matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, women, just hold on just for a second, okay? What is the most powerful force to man? What, is, what, 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 what do we say? Water? Somebody said a ribeye steak. A ribeye steak, water, a brand new car, Porsche, Ferrari, right? Let me, let, me, let me just back up for a second, man. Love is the most powerful thing to men. How do I know that? Because people don't do stupid things for a ribeye steak. Right? People don't do stupid things for uh, uh, water. People don't do stupid things for uh, a car. I mean, you may do stupid things for a car, but I think people do some amazingly stupid things for the name of love. Who's married in the house? You understand what I'm talking about, right? Not, maybe not the women, but the men. Men go way out of their way. They're like, oh, I love her. What's the stupidest thing I can do to show her, right? We do. We, we try to impress, and, and we go out of our way to do it. You know what I did? In, in, uh, I was 17 years old. I met my wife. Fell in love instantly. I figured she did too. She just didn't know it yet. And I was a, I was a pretty shy kid, okay? I was a pretty cool kid, I thought, too. But I was pretty shy, right? Meaning that you have to do certain things in order to keep your reputation intact, okay? And I went out and I bought a dozen flowers for her. She had a boyfriend. But I didn't care because love drove me to do something stupid. And I took them to Sexton High School. And then I asked her to come out to the car because I wasn't going to go into the school with these flowers. Well, nobody going to see me do that. And do you know what? 26 years later, I'm willing to do the stupidest things to prove that I love my wife. Love. I will work 80 hours a day if they had to. I've worked 90 hours in a week. I've had three jobs to make sure that she's comfortable and good. Why? Because of love. I, now, men, think about the most stupidest thing you ever did and understand that it was for love, okay? This attachment that you have, this, this heart, how it drives you, this driving force. Now, women, Let's bring you back into the conversation. I've seen women do some amazingly crazy things in the name of love. I've seen the smallest woman go up against the biggest man. Why? Because of a child to protect that kid. I've heard stories of women picking up cars and getting their kids out of something. Do you know what that driving force is? Love. Love. Love is the most powerful force 
known to mankind. It really is. And to prove that, I was watching the Hallmark Channel. Don't laugh at me. It's not funny. (laughs) I know that other people watch it too because it's still on. Right? In the name of cancel culture, uh, they would have cut it off if there wasn't some value there. Okay? I'm just saying. So I watch watch, uh, Hallmark, and according to Hallmark, love is it. It is the most powerful force known to mankind. Many people underestimate this power. I believe that we can relate to this. I believe that young people, older people, people in the middle, the things you do to attract the woman that you love, the things you do to attract the men that you love, the things that you do to protect the people that you love. Love is the driving force behind all of our sacrificial actions towards our families, towards our friends, We will gladly pay any price in order to demonstrate how much we care. Love is powerful. It makes us do crazy, amazing things. I've witnessed parents from a different country come in to this country to work seven days a week, open to close at a restaurant. And I go in there and I order. And while I'm in there, I talk to one of their kids. And I've done this for a few years since he was in uh, junior high. And he, I, I watched him go through high school. And then I watched him go to U of M. And I watched him graduate. And the parents worked in this restaurant constantly. The kids studying in the back, kids studying in the front. And, and here's the cool thing. I, I, it clicked one day when I asked, I said, Hey, uh, how's school going? And he goes, I graduated. And then I looked on the door, and the door said, we're closed on Mondays now. And it dawned on me that they did that out of love because they sacrificed all their time, every single dime to make sure that their kid had a future so they would not have to work like they did. Love is the most powerful force known to any of us. Many believe Easter is about an event, and it is. It's about Jesus rising again, dying for our sins, conquering death by coming back. But the real force behind all of this is love. That's what it is. Before there was ever an Easter Sunday, there was a Good Friday. Before there was ever a resurrection, there, were, there first had to be a death. You matter so much to Jesus that not only did he die, but he came back for us. The power of love and the control that breeds bitterness and stress and freedom, it builds love. I want you to understand that. If you got that written down, we're going to talk about that just for a second. For 33 years, Jesus walked the earth while serving the hungry, healing the broken, delivering the oppressed. He announced the coming uh, kingdom of God and the restoration of all things. 
He claimed to be the son of God and many believed him to be the true king of all things. This, this kind of thinking and teaching caused a lot of conflict in the area that Jesus served in. You see, at the time, the ruler of, the, of, of most of the world was Rome. It was the Roman Empire, right? And Rome had installed a king, and this king, his name was Herod. Herod the Great is what they called him. And to keep things in Israel under control, Herod was a tyrant. And he was constantly afraid that his authority would be undermined. Another potential king would be a threat to the Roman rule. And therefore, he had to be eradicated. He had to die. Both Herod and Jesus could not reign over Israel. One wanted to control a kingdom. The other wanted to build a kingdom through love. Two conflicting ideas. So the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman uh, centurions, they worked together to have Jesus arrested. He was brought to trial for his claims to be God. He was convicted and he was beaten nearly to death. He then was forced to carry this rugged cross all the way to the hill that he would be killed on. Let me read you in Matthew 27, 32 through uh, 42. As they went out, they found a man of uh, Cyrene, Simon, by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the, uh, the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. The two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by, um, passed by, uh, derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, go ahead, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from that cross. So also the chief priest with the scribes and elders, they all mocked him saying, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from that cross, and we will believe in him. The crucifixion of Jesus is marked by ridicule. It's marked by disbelief. The soldiers, they mocked him by placing a sign over his head, calling him the king of the Jews, even though they did not believe that to be true. Those who passed by mocked Jesus by telling him to save himself if he really was the son of God. If you really had all these powers that you claim to have, why can't you just get off of that thing? The priests and the teachers mocked Jesus by telling him to just jump off if you really are the king of Israel. None of them understood that the true test of Jesus' power and authority was not in his ability to save himself from crucifixion, but it was in his ability to overcome 
the death that the crucifixion would result in. Sometimes we miss the proof of Jesus' lordship because we are expecting him to prove himself to us in certain ways. We miss it. We miss the power of the cross. We miss the whole thing about Easter because we try to control Jesus. We say, hey, look, I expect you to do this for me. Oh, if you're really God, uh, can you get me out of this situation? If you're really God, can't you do this? I know we've said this to ourselves, really, right? We've prayed these kind of prayers and said, God, look, if you get me out of this, please, 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 I will do this, 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 and this. We try to bargain. We try to control. And we think that if God actually comes through in the way that we want him to, in the way that we expect him to, then we will believe. Isn't it funny who we are most common with in this story? Many people have decided in their hearts that they will never trust in Jesus unless he meets their expectations. Unless Jesus heals their relatives. Unless Jesus gives them a job. Well, if Jesus is so powerful, why can't he stop world hunger? Why are people hungry? To which I would ask, Jesus probably looking at you going, hey, you got all that food, why are people hungry? I'm just saying. I won't believe until he writes something in the sky. They will never trust him and obey his authority in their lives. Think about that for a second. If you're waiting for Jesus to meet your expectations, you are trying to control him. What does control breed? Bitterness, anger. What is our world in the midst of right now? A lot of bitterness and anger. What are our churches in the midst of right now? A lot of bitterness and anger. Why? Because we're trying to control things that we got no control over. Bitterness, stress, anger, disappointment. All of these things come when we try to control things that we have no control over. How many of you guys know Jesus is not Will Smith painted blue with his shirt off popping up on the screen singing and dancing? What am I saying? Jesus is not a genie. He's not a genie. He's not somebody you can rub and then wish upon. That's not who Jesus is. And if you think that's who he is, you're trying to control him. And you know what that leads to? A lot of disappointment. Most can never allow themselves to see him as king unless he does what they want him to do. I'm afraid that this kind of mentality is the same kind of struggle that plagued those who were there at the death of Jesus. It's also the same mentality that drove Herod to be part of the death of God's son. When we demand Jesus to prove himself on our terms, we rob ourselves of seeing his love in our lives. You rob you when you try to control him. Herod was not the last one to be threatened by the kingship of Jesus. 
He was not the only one to struggle with the idea of needing to be in control. The truth is that this is still an idea that we have a hard time with today. This is the same thing that we struggle with on a daily basis. I struggle with this. I struggle with letting go. Most of my temper tantrums and anger fits come because I can't control a certain situation. Control breeds bitterness and stress and anger. In our lives, there can only be one king. There can only be one king. It has been said that on the throne of our hearts sits the one who loves and his love reigns over our lives. So we have to choose whether to be us sitting in this chair. See, if I sit in this chair, give you guys a chance to see the socks too. If I sit in this chair, you know what? Nobody else can. If I sit in this chair, I push whoever was in it out of it. If I sit in this chair, I become the king of my life. If this chair represents my heart, then who's filling it? Me. See, I could try to have other people come and sit on my lap, but after a while, that'll get tiring and I have to push them out. I could try to include other people in this whole process, but after a while, it gets tired and I got to push them out. So we have to choose. This is the thing that, that, that Easter, I believe, represents. A choice. Do we sit in this chair on this throne of our hearts? Or do we willingly get up and realize... Oh. Microphone. Mic drop. Or do we realize... That Jesus needs to be the one sitting on this throne. That when he sits on his throne, it begins to get rid of all of this selfishness, all this bitterness, all of this anger, this feeling of alone. You know how crazy it is when we sit in this chair and we think we got it? And we, we end up pushing all these people off of our lap. How many of you guys know that you feel alone when you're in control of your life? You feel alone. It's, it's crazy how many people feel alone in a world where we're all connected. Isn't that crazy? All of us, man, we, we can get online. We can FaceTime people. We can see people anytime we want. Yet we are the loneliest we have ever been in our society. Why? Because we're sitting in this chair all by ourselves. The other choice is we put Jesus on his throne. We leave it empty and we say, Lord, you can sit here. And when Jesus is on the throne of our lives, love wins. We, became, we, we become led by love. We listen to his, his leading, his, his words. We put others first. You know what that means? We begin to love our neighbor. 
We live sacrificial lives. When it comes to the way you speak, the way you act, the way you live, you can sit on the throne of your heart or you can give it to Jesus. See, I think the reason Herod was so mad and angry was because he knew this simple truth, that there can only be one king. There can only be one person sitting on a throne at a time. So here's the crazy thing. And I believe Herod knew this, that if Jesus is dead, then none of what I just said matters. Herod knew that. That's why he tried to kill him. If, he, if we can just kill him, then none of this matters. But if he rose from the dead, then that changes everything. Because then he becomes the authority. He becomes the king. Love can overcome even death. Because three days after Jesus was crucified and laid in the tomb, to everyone's shock and amazement, he appeared in bodily form to many of the disciples and others. This had never happened before. They had seen him killed. They knew he was dead. Now he was eating with them, walking with them, talking with them. Jesus' love for humanity had overcome death, and it defeated evil once and for all. His resurrection is the proof that he was indeed the true king over everything. His work confirmed his word as well. Through, so many people doubted and mocked him, and death did not have the last word and the final say. You know what did? Love did. Love had the final word. The scripture tells us this in John 3.16. How many of you guys heard that verse before? If you heard it, just scream it out real quick. What is it? I love a bunch of a room of a bunch of Christians. Like, yeah, yeah, we know it. John 3, 16. Everybody knows it. Even unbelievers know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Life abundantly. Live forever. God so loved the world. He loved. Love was the driving force in all of this. He sent Jesus not only to live, but to die. And when he put... When we put our faith, our hope, and our trust in his life, death, and resurrection, that means that we will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from what? Yeah, most people, they, they, they give their hearts to Jesus so they can be saved from hell because they fear hell. But I want to tell you something, man. That's, that, that's just the beginning of it. See, when you give your life to Jesus, what happens is love starts to form in this space. When you give your life to Jesus, you know what happens? You get saved from yourself. We always talk about the enemy. You know who the enemy really is? You. It's things you tell yourself. It's things you, you, you walk around saying. You're your worst enemy. You really are. And when you can fill your heart with the love of Jesus, all of a sudden, you can step out of your own way. 
from this desire to live just for you. This is why we celebrate today. We have been given an opportunity for eternal life, but we have also been given the opportunity to have life here abundantly. And that means love. After Jesus had resurrected his final words to his followers, it reveals to us the truth behind the Easter story. Matthew 18, or 28, 18 through 20 says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples for all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In John 13, 34, it says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Easter is the day that Jesus was given all authority on heaven and on earth. No matter how many doubted, he is the king of the Jews. No matter how many people mocked him, he was able to rescue himself and the entire world as well. No matter how many questioned his power, he did defeat the cross once and for all. The love of God was the authority and was now winning over the entire world and our lives as well. His final instructions to all of the followers that he had was to go into the world and make disciples. He's basically saying, go into the world and make it a better place. He told them to spread the good news of his resurrection and to love all who would listen. We have been invited to build a kingdom using the power of love. To share the love of Jesus because it's this love that will change this world. We keep putting our faith in, in, in elected officials. We keep putting our faith in, in people and things and decisions and bills and all these other things. And the reality is, is that the thing that will change this world is the love that can live inside of your heart. That's the thing that's gonna have the biggest impact. It's gonna have the biggest impact in your family in your relationships, in your workplace, at school, whether it's through Zoom or in person, at the grocery store, in the gas station, this is the power that will change the world. We need to let love win us over. Today, if you consider yourself a Christian, this instruction has been given to each and every single one of you. You are to be part of this process to make disciples and followers of Jesus. Or put it real simple, this, this is the simplest thing right here. This is, this is everything all wrapped up. Sharing this love to others is what he has commanded us to do. Over time, we learn to live generous lives. We learn to forgive those that have hurt us. We learn to serve others. 
We learn to take responsibility of our actions and attitudes. And we learn to be people of peace. When we get up out of this chair, out of the chair of our hearts, and we let the love of Jesus sit there instead, then we become overwhelmed by love and can begin to live life like him and to invite others to do the same. That's all the gospel is. That's what Easter means. This is the power of love and what it means when love wins. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. The final reminder that we are given by Jesus before he ascends into heaven is that he will always be with us until the very end. Maybe today you feel like God has forgotten about you. I want to remind you that you are never alone. If you're watching online, I got to remind you, you are not alone. Jesus' life lives and dwells inside of those who trust him by the power of the Holy Spirit. This means that no matter what you go through or whatever you're going through right now, no matter what you're facing, you are not alone in your mess. I'm convinced that in this room today there are, and those that are watching, that there are a couple types of people. One, there are some here who have never made the decision to let love win in their lives, to follow Jesus. Maybe you've been waiting for Jesus to prove himself to you, and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you don't want to give up control uh, of your life, and so you have never submitted to Jesus. Today, I want to invite you to get out of the chair in your heart and simply let Jesus sit there. Give your life to him. I want to give you a chance to offer Jesus a seat in your heart and to become a follower of him and a lover of those around you. That's the gospel. Be a follower of him and become a lover of people. That's it. To do this, it's, it's very simple. And I got to tell you, I would be humbly honored to pray with you. And when I pray, you can make this your prayer. You can make it personal. You can repeat my words. You can say them to yourself. You can say them out loud. But the point is, is that no matter what you say, you have to get up out of the chair of your heart. That's the part that matters. That's the part that matters. It's not about a, a, a magic prayer. It's not about rubbing a lamp. It's about getting up out of that chair and allowing Jesus to sit there. That's what you're doing. When you give your life to him, that's exactly what you are doing. You're opening up your heart. 
Let my prayer be your prayer. As we close our eyes and bow our heads together, if you're online, you could say these things too. You, you don't have to come to church. You don't have to come to an altar to be free. That, that's the great thing is, is that Jesus can save you wherever you are. He said, I will be with you always. So if you're driving in your car and you just happen to have this on, if you're in, in a different state, if you're in your bedroom, if you're still in your pajamas, if you're curled up on the couch, or if you're sitting here today, I invite you to close your eyes, to bow your heads, and to simply envision yourself getting up out of the chair of your heart. Envision that chair being empty for once. And then invite Jesus just to sit in it. Let's pray. Jesus, I confessed that I have lived my own way and under my own control. I have sinned against you and I have sinned against others. I have hurt others and I have hurt you. And I'm sorry. And I ask you for your forgiveness. I believe that you died and you rose again for me. I welcome your spirit to live in my life. And I ask you to sit on the throne of my heart. I give up control and give it to you. I want to join you in loving others the way that you love me. Thank you for promising to be with me always for the rest of my days. Amen. So if you prayed this prayer today with a sincere heart, that makes you a follower of Jesus. Use this newfound freedom to make a difference in somebody's life today. Let love win in every aspect of your life. Now, there may be some people here also who have trusted in Jesus before but have grown tired of obeying him. They keep fighting with him in that chair, pushing him out, sitting in it for a second, then getting up. Here's the thing. Uh, Easter reminds us that we can once again wipe the slate clean. And we can get out of our own way and let the love of Christ begin to lead us again. If this is you today, if this is you online, I want to remind you that Jesus' promise is to never leave you. He still loves you and is still with you. Commit once again to live for him. This Easter, I pray you See the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the proof of his love. And may you let this love win in your life. May you join in spreading this good news with the entire world that he is risen. 
Thanks for joining us. I hope this message blessed you. Our goal is to connect you to God's people, God's word, and his mission for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Again, that's glfirst.org. Hope to see you next week. God bless.